do and done. This morning I want us to think about the difference between do and done. They look very similar, don't they? Only two letters difference, but they're very different. Do is all about work. It's all about putting in effort. It's all about achieving something. You do the dishes. You do the vacuuming. You do your job. You do your hair if you've got it. You do your nails. You do your paperwork. You do the tax return. You do 120 hours nowadays to get your L plates. You do your homework. You do an apprenticeship. You do it yourself. Do is all about working to achieve something, isn't it? What about done? When something is done, there's nothing left to do. Done is about resting. The vacuuming's done. The washing is done. The ironing is done. The folding up is done. The putting away is done. The bricklaying job, it's done. The paperwork is done. Your university course is done. Your entire to-do list is done. There's nothing left to do. Wouldn't that be good? Do is like when you're organising a party. You know, you've got to do the food, you've got to do the decorations, you've got to do the invitations. Done is when you're a guest. You just turn up and you enjoy it and it's all done for you. Now, Christianity, following Jesus, is it about do or is it about done? I reckon if you went down the street and asked people who are not Christians, people who are looking in from the outside, and maybe that's you here today, I reckon people tend to think that Christianity is all about do. You know, it's what I need to do for God to accept me. So what do I need to do? Do I need to go to church? Do I need to be a good person? Do I need to be perfect? Do I, do I just need to be a little bit good to sort of get part of the way and God will take me the rest of the way? Do I need to pray? Do I even need to worry about Jesus or is any kind of spirituality okay? But it's all about what do I need to do for God to accept me? Now, it's understandable that that's what people would think a Christian is because that's what every other religion is about. You name it, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and even the Catholic Church to some extent, they're all about what we do. They're all about things that we do. And even Christians can give the impression that it's about what we do. And I'm sorry if that's the impression that you've been given if you're here today for the first time, because that is not what Christianity is about. Okay? Being a Christian is not about what we need to do for God to accept us. Being a Christian is about what Jesus has done for us. And today's passage shows us that 
really clearly. Because today's passage, in today's passage, we find out that if you don't let go of do, if you cling on to do, you can't have eternal life. Have a look there again as I read verse 17, where there's this young man and he comes before Jesus and he asks how to get eternal life. Verse 17, have a look at it there. It's right on your bulletin. It's a little bit of the way down because we'll be looking at that first paragraph in a moment. But just look at verse 17 for now. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him. This man's pretty desperate. Fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, we were thinking about eternal life, the very thing that this man wants, last week, weren't we? We were thinking about forgiveness, a relationship with God that will go on forever, beyond the grave, life as it was meant to be. It's something that we all want, and it's, it's something that this man wants. And he runs to Jesus, he falls on his knees, and he asks Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But do you, did you spot the problem with his question? It's there at the end of verse 17. Can you see what's wrong with this man's question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay. This man thinks there's something that he can do. And Jesus notices this. Jesus sees through this man's question. Jesus sees a man who's trying to earn eternal life. Jesus sees a man whose life is all about doing stuff and the guy has just given it away in the wording of his question. And that's why Jesus gives the very strange answer that he gives in verse 18. It almost seems a bit rude, doesn't it, if you're reading it and you haven't read it before. This guy is coming asking for eternal life and Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. It's almost as if Jesus is now picking an argument with this guy. Now compare this to with how Jesus has been responding to people over the last two weeks, if you've been here. Two weeks ago in Mark chapter 2, a paralysed man was brought to Jesus. And Jesus, the man didn't even have to ask anything. Jesus just said, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus gives the guy a free ticket to eternal life. Just like that. Last week we saw a desperate woman come to Jesus and Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And last week we saw Jairus and Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid, just believe. So what about today's passage? If we read over this man's question too quickly, we might expect Jesus to say something like this. We might expect Jesus to say, great question. If you want eternal life, you just need to trust me. Or, you've come to the right person. I can give you eternal life. I mean, that'd be a bit more positive, wouldn't it? Or we might expect Jesus to say, whoever believes in me has eternal life. In fact, Jesus says that to other people. But that's not what Jesus says here. Because Jesus sees that this man has a problem and it's all revealed in the way he asks his question, what must I do? 
He thinks there's something that he can do to fix himself up. He just needs a bit of help from Jesus to make sure that he's on the right track. And when Jesus probes him, that's exactly what spills out. This bloke thinks he's good. This guy has no idea about the trouble that he's in. Look at verse 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone, which, of course, that's who Jesus is. Verse 19, you know the commandments, Jesus says to him. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Jesus gives him six out of the ten commandments. He leaves the four most important ones that are all about our relationship to God, and he gives him the six easy ones. Look at how the guy responds, verse 20. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now, firstly, I want you to notice how Jesus starts his answer. No one is good except God alone, which exposes the problem with do, because do is about being good enough. But Jesus says no one is good enough. And look, if we're honest, we know that, don't we? We're full of stuff that we hope no one else will ever find out. Put that all out there. We can never earn eternal life. And so the starting point for a relationship with God is to admit that to him. He sees it anyway. We've just got to acknowledge it. The problem with this man is that he's not there yet. He thinks he's good. In fact, he thinks that when it comes to doing things, he's got a scorecard of 10 out of 10, or at least 6 out of 6. The six commandments Jesus has listed, he thinks he's kept them all. Now, Jesus could bring him down a peg or two. In other um, parts of the Bible, Jesus says, what, you haven't committed adultery? Have you ever looked at a woman lustfully? Jesus knows how to go to people's hearts and bring them down. But Jesus isn't interested here in an argument about which commands the man has kept and which commands the man hasn't. See, it doesn't matter whether he's got 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10, or 6 out of 10, because eternal life is not about how good you've been. That doesn't matter one bit. Eternal life is about done. It's about what God has done. Eternal life is a gift. God gives it to people for free. It's not something that you can earn. And we've just jumped into Mark's Gospel today at chapter 10, but if we had been reading our way through Mark's Gospel like you normally read any book, we would have seen that what comes immediately before today's little passage tells us exactly this because in those verses 13 to 16 which were read for us before this man coming to Jesus there's a section where parents are bringing their little children their babies to Jesus and they want Jesus to bless them and the disciples say Jesus you're too important for this you know you're God don't waste your time on babies but Jesus says no no bring the little children to me and then he uses them as an example of how to receive eternal life. The punchline is there in verse 15. Have a look at verse 15. Jesus says, verse 15, I tell you the truth, 
Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The way that we get eternal life is not by what we do. We need to receive it like a little child. When our first son, Ben, was born, that's over 18 years ago now, but I can still remember just how fragile and dependent that he was. He had to be fed. He had to be burped. He had to have his vomit cleaned up and wiped off his chin and his um, bib. He had to have his nappy changed. If it was cold, he had to have his booties put on and his beanies put on and wrapped up in a little rug. If it was hot, you had to pull them all off again. He had to be given a bath. And then he would cry and he couldn't tell you what was wrong. So when he cried, you have to work out, is he too hot? Is he too cold? Is he hungry? Does he need to be burped? He couldn't even hold his head up. You know when you're nursing a baby, you just got to hold up the little head or it flops down. Little children are completely and utterly dependent on their parents for everything, for every meal, for the clothes they wear, for their security, for their protection, for their affirmation. They don't contribute anything to the running of the house. They don't help pay the bills. Little children need everything done for them. And Jesus looks at these little children that parents are bringing to him. See, they're not even coming to Jesus themselves. The parents have to bring them. And Jesus says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to receive it like a little child. And if we think about it, that is exactly what we've seen in the people we've met over the last two weeks. What did the paralysed man bring to Jesus? Nothing. He couldn't even walk. He was completely dependent like a little child. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. What did that bleeding woman bring? Nothing. She was desperate like a little child. What did Jairus bring to Jesus? Nothing. He brought a dead daughter. He was completely dependent on Jesus. These three people knew they were desperate. There was nothing they could do. They came to Jesus empty-handed. They went away full. This man's different. He comes to Jesus full full of his own sense of achievement, full of money. He's not desperate at all. He wants to know what he can do. So Jesus gives him the answer there in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come. Follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now Jesus is not saying to this man, look, you've got nine out of ten things right. The one thing you need to do to get a perfect scorecard is be more generous. Then you can have eternal life. No, that's not what he's saying. This is about a change in this man's mindset from do 
to done. This man needs to give up everything that he relies upon. He needs to come to Jesus empty like a little child, not with his arms full. Jesus says, go away, get rid of it all, and when you've got nothing to contribute, then come back to me. Jesus is not asking for this man's money. Did you notice that? Jesus doesn't want this man's money. Jesus doesn't need this man's money. Jesus is asking this man to get rid of his money, then come back and follow me. Jesus wants this man to come to him with nothing. And the particular thing that this man needs to give up, the thing that this man depends on, is his money. And that's a trap with money, isn't it? See, the thing is that when you have it, you don't need anything else. When you have money, you have power. When you have money, you have security. When you have money, it can make you feel important. When you have money, you can so easily have that attitude of, I don't need other people. I don't need God. And that's the trap for this man. He might be wanting eternal life. He might want to think, I want to worship God. I want to have God in my life. I'll do what God wants, but I don't need God because I'm pretty good and I'm pretty secure. It's not about the man's money. It's about what he's relying on for his security. And that's why Jesus says to this rich man, get rid of the very thing that you depend on. Then, after you've done that, come and follow me, like a little child. And when the man hears that, he goes away sad, because he can't do it. His money's too important to him. See, done sounds easy, doesn't it? There's nothing that you need to do. But it's actually very hard. Verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. In other words... Done sounds easy, but it is really, really hard. Think about this little kid's talk where Alex had to fall back and let his dad catch him. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to stand still and fall back? Every um, fibre of your body wants to turn around or bend or put your hands down. It is really hard. It's the same with following Jesus. It is hard to give up the things that we depend on. It's hard to ask for help. And the more things we have to depend on, and the more things, the more that we depend on them, the harder it is to give them up. It is so hard. So hard that there may be people here this morning who walk away without eternal life because you're too scared to be vulnerable. You don't want to admit that you've messed up your life. 
or you feel that you've worked pretty hard to get where you are and you don't want to lose all that. Or maybe Christianity looks like a crutch for weak people and you don't want to be seen as weak. It's hard to give up everything. Please be very clear, though. Jesus loves you. Jesus is offering you eternal life. But you need to be willing to give up everything else and depend on him alone. It's not about do. It's about what Jesus has done. It's not about being successful. It's not about being good. It's not about being rich. It's not about being the kind of person that other people admire. It's not about do. Eternal life is about what Jesus has done. And that's exactly where Mark will go on in the rest of this chapter. It's not in our reading today, but down in verse 45... Jesus says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, as Jesus speaks to this man, he is on his way to Jerusalem where he will die to give his life as a ransom. In other words, to pay for the wrong that we've done. Do you see how wonderful that is? That is where Jesus does it. Jesus' death paid for our eternal life. The pressure is off. We don't need to work for God's approval. All you have to do is get down on your knees, bringing nothing, ask Jesus for eternal life, and you'll receive it. I don't know if you've heard about a fellow called Ricky Hoyt. I've told this story before, so maybe some of you have heard it. Ricky Hoyt has been in 32 Boston marathons, As of last year, he's now completed in over a 1,000 different events. Ricky Hoyt is a great example of done, of having someone else do it for you, because in all those races, Ricky did not do a thing. He's permanently disabled. He's physically and intellectually disabled. He can't walk. He can't talk. He can't even eat without help. And yet, Ricky Hoyt has even competed in the Hawaiian Ironman Triathlon, a swim, a ride, and a run. And he made it to the finish line because his dad carried him all the way. During the swim section, his dad pulled him along in a little dinghy. In the cycling section, His dad pedaled 112 miles, this is in America, with Ricky strapped strapped to the front of his bike. And on foot, he pushed him along in a pram until finally Ricky's dad had to carry him over the finish line at the beach. And Ricky Hoyt became the first totally disabled person ever to complete the Hawaiian Ironman triathlon. That is a great example of done. Because all he did was sit there and his dad 
did all the work for him. That's how we get eternal life. There's nothing that we can do. Jesus does it for us from start to finish. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus. Do you see what this passage is saying? As hard as it sounds, and please hear me properly, it is said with love, Jesus does not need you. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus doesn't need your business skills. Jesus doesn't need you as a volunteer. Jesus doesn't need you. You need Jesus. That is hard to hear. If you met Jesus today, you might say to him something like, look, Jesus, I'm 90% there. What else do I need to do? Jesus would say, go away. Stop trusting yourself. Come back when you've got nothing to bring. But if you're here this morning and you're desperate, if you know there's nothing that you can bring, if you're willing to get down on your knees and beg Jesus for forgiveness, come to him with your hands empty, come to him like a little child, then you will receive eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we are at, the, at our hearts proud people who like to be independent. And so this message, simple as it is, can be so hard to hear. And even us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time can give the wrong impression because we just seem to revert back to this mentality of trying to please you and earn our way. But, Father, please this morning humble all of us before you. Help us not to be like this rich man who went away sad. Father, help us to be like the people who we've seen over the last two weeks, the lame man and Jairus and the sick woman who knew that they had nothing to bring and came to you in their time of need. Father, thank you that there's nothing we need to bring. Thank you that eternal life can be secure. But please bring us and our friends and family to that point where we see that and where we rely on Jesus and not on ourselves. And thank you for his death in our place. Thank you that it's all been done. Amen.